Well, good morning. It's good to be with y'all. How we doing, South Point? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've already told several of you, if you like what you hear this morning, tell somebody. And I'm, I've already, I told Josh, oh, by the way, Josh, wherever you are, thank you. Uh, can we give it up for Josh and that worship team this morning? You know, it's one thing to to come prepared with a message. It's one thing to come and stand before you with what I believe God has laid on my heart. But it's another thing altogether to, as a corporate body, literally be led to the throne of the king. And I'm so thankful for the worship that happens here. I'm so thankful for the worship that happens at every church. But because of that, I think we are... We're, we're kind of seeding, if you will. We're softening that ground. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now, I probably will step on some of your toes this morning. And honestly, I'm not going to apologize for that because if there's something going on in your life that God wants to get a hold of you for, then it's okay. Because guess what? Our toes heal. God wants to meet with you. He wants to meet with you in this place. And so I'm thankful for Josh and the praise team. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. And we are going to spend a little bit of time this morning talking about what it means to put on the full armor of God and what that looks like in our lives. You know, as Terry said, we're going through a period of transition here at South Point. And that's okay. Because God, while he is always the same, recognizes that we, as his children, are ever-changing. We are ever-growing. And that is the relationship that he wants us to have. But I think it comes as no surprise to anyone in this room this morning that our world is a mess. And I'm not just talking about what's happening in the Ukraine right now. And yes, we need to be praying for them. And yes, we need to be trusting. As hard as it is to see and hear the things that are happening over there, to believe that it's truly part of God's plan. Because I'll tell you, some of the times in my life that have been the hardest have been the times when I've looked and I've said, God, why? And we cry out. We cry out for the people that are being killed. We cry out for those who are being persecuted. We cry out even for those who are doing the persecuting. That God would be sovereign over everything that is happening. And yes, it's happening. We're hearing the most about it over there right now. But it's happening everywhere. It's happening right here in Abilene. But you know what's wonderful about that is that we know who gets the victory, don't we? We know who has the final say of what happens when the time comes. But I believe this passage is a great example for us, not only to understand what are the pieces of armor that God wants us to put in, how is it that God wants us to live our lives But I also think that there are some things to be taken from this passage that have true 
applicability, if you will, for our lives. One of the things I love to do with a passage of scripture is understand what it is, in this case, what it is that Paul is saying, and then take from that and say, what can we do to make this passage real? You know, the Bible, thousands of years old document, but it still has meaning for today, amen? So if you'll turn with me, um, Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to begin in verse 10. And if you would, please, out of reverence for God's word, please stand as I read. Finally, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, which with you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. So this passage describes six pieces of the armor of God. And I believe that what Paul is telling us here in, in to put on the whole armor means to believe all that Jesus has done and to live it out in daily life. It is the power of everything that God has done in every area of life, even when there are challenges. See, essentially, what Paul is telling us here is to put on the full armor of God to apply all of the gospel to all of our lives. See, this isn't... This isn't religion by buffet. Paul isn't saying you can pick one from column A, one from column B, and one from column C. He's saying to put it all on. And as we kind of step through, and I'm going to give you just a little bit of an illustration of what it means, what each piece means, and what it means when we put it on. If you think about the fact that if you forget any of those you're putting yourself at risk. You are opening yourself up for the devil to find a chink in your armor. And we don't want that. We want to be fully covered. We want to be fully confident that we're walking with God and we have the armor on. See, the main point of the armor really is not the analogy of the individual pieces, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, but the reality is it's the power that we have when we're fully armored up. So let's start with the belt of truth. Now, some Bible scholars explain that the belt keeps all the pieces of the armor together. If you think about it from this perspective, the belt is an, an, an avenue, if you will, for the soldier to be able to carry additional things. I mean, he's only got two hands. You know, he's got the shield in one hand and he's got a sword in the other one. But it's like, what happens if he, if he loses a sword? You know, and it's, and it's holding everything all together, if you will. You know, the main point of the belt is not the part of the armor that is associated with it. It's the analogy. It's about living in truth. You know, Paul describes it as the belt of truth. 
So put on the belt of truth means you put your full trust in God's truth and in what he says. It means that you value God's truth more than the lies that Satan might whisper or shout in your ear. You put on the belt of truth when you say, I'm not trusting the lies of the enemy, but I believe all that the Bible says about what Jesus did for me. The second piece is the breastplate of righteousness. Now this is what really protects the core. If you think about what the breastplate, if you look at that picture, what is it covering? It's covering from here down. Where are all our major organs? Where are all the things that really kind of sustain life for us? It's right here in our chest cavity. So the breastplate covers what's closest to your heart. It affects how you walk in confidence. When you have the breastplate of righteousness, you can walk in that confidence. It affects how you feel about yourself at the heart level. See, when you put that on, you're trusting in what God has done for you in Jesus. In fact, you're trusting that you are good enough to be received by God. It's a gift that's given to you, not something you could ever earn on your own. The gospel of peace. This is the the shoes, the sandals, if you will. Uh, It's described as the preparation or readiness that comes from the gospel of peace as part of the armor of God that helps you stand against any spiritual attack. It means that you can take the gospel to the world. It means you can take it from this place and go out and minister and witness to those who are outside this door who need it, who need to hear what God has for them. Now, you may be wondering, why is this a part of the armor? It's there because if you think about what Jesus said in Matthew 28, he said, go therefore. That implies getting up and doing something. It implies going out. How do we go out from this place? We stand and we walk. We move because of our feet. Our feet carry the message, the the feet allow us to get in front of someone and help them understand God's gift. You know, one of the things that, that I struggled with early in my walk as a Christian was, I'm not Bible smart enough. I don't know everything that I need to say to someone who's not a believer or someone who's struggling in their faith. You know, what I learned over the years was that I don't have to be the smartest Bible scholar in the world, but I have to be willing, and you have to be willing to share what God has done in your life. Do you know that that is probably the most powerful witness that you can have? Because you never know when you may be talking to someone today who's going through something similar to what you're battling or what they're dealing with. And your witness could be the one thing that helps them say, wow, I'm not alone. There is something and there is someone out there who understands what I'm going through. See, with the, with the shoes, that, the shoes of, of, of being able to witness, of being able to Give someone an encouraging word. You may not have thought of it this way, but we're seed planters. 
You know, some of you have, may have been part of leading someone into a relationship with Jesus. And if you have, you can absolutely relate to what I'm about to say. There is no more affirming thing that happens in the life of a believer when they see God visibly at work in someone else's life. But you know what? That doesn't happen all the time, does it? You know, it may be a situation where you're just planting a seed. Maybe you're planting an idea. Maybe you're sharing a thought. You may not be the one that day to lead that person to a relationship with Jesus. But what you say combined with what someone may have said before that or what someone says after that could be that ultimate combination where God reveals himself to that person and they surrender their lives to the Lord. You may never really know the impact that you have on someone that you speak to, an encouraging word, a hug, a, a text, a note of love. But you gotta keep putting it out there. And that's what Paul is talking about here. We've got to be willing to share the gospel of peace. The next piece of armor is the shield of faith. You think about the shield. I mean, it literally goes from, you know, pretty much the ground all the way up to right below their neck. I mean, it covers the whole body. But it's what protects us from the flaming darts of the enemy. You know, faith is an important part of your relationship with God. It really, truly, as Hebrews eleven six says, it's impossible to please God without faith. Faith is how you start your walk by believing in Jesus. It's how you progress in spiritual growth. It, faith is what's gonna get us through the hardest of times in our lives. Faith is what allows us to, to hear and see what's going on in the world and knowing that it's truly part of God's plan, even though it's hard to understand why. We believe because we know that God's plan, Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, for I know the plans I have for you, a plan to prosper and not harm. I give you hope and a future. Faith is there. It's that gray area, if you will, for, for those of us who like to live in the black and white and say, well, that's right and that's wrong. There's this gray area of faith that says, believe on me. Believe in the promises of the book that say, I will accomplish my will for your life. And that's God telling you, believe, believe. The next piece being the helmet of salvation. And it points to the truth that God is the one who saves and delivers. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 also describes this piece of the whole armor of God as the helmet of hope of salvation. In Isaiah 59.17, the Lord puts on the helmet of salvation. It means that he is the one who saves and delivers. See, the world as we know is in a state of brokenness. Darkness is going to continue to increase until Jesus returns. But we have that hope in salvation of knowing that God will have the ultimate victory. The next piece is sword of the spirit. 
Um, Ephesians 6 concludes the list of spiritual armor with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 describes it as a two-edged sword, living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow. See, the word of God brings truth and freedom to the very core of your being. When you need affirmation about who you are in Christ and whose you are, it's found in the pages of the Bible. God's word is all we ever really need to know that we are loved, we are set apart. Nothing, as believers of Christ, nothing can snatch us from the Father's hand. So, let's armor up. Now, what does that look like? And I'm going to kind of talk about a couple of areas in the time that I have remaining here about what it looks like to armor up. Okay? We're going to start with ourselves. Okay? Now, I've got to share with you, I can't remember if it's an acronym or an acrostic, and my, I hope my daughter isn't tuning in. She's an English teacher in Denver, and I told her I was preaching this morning. So if it's an acrostic or if it's an acronym, Jason, please forgive me. Bottom line is you're going to see it. It'll kind of build out on the slides for you here. But, but what I really want to do is I want to talk about some things that we can do to armor up. Okay? The first thing is we got to armor up with us. And so the first letter in this acrostic is P. It stands for pray. Now, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, one of the shortest verses in the Bible says, pray without ceasing. Now what does that mean? Does that mean we are to do nothing but pray? I think that would be kind of difficult for us. But what I believe Paul is telling us here is that we are to be in a spirit of prayer all the time. If you think about it, as you go throughout the course of your day, whatever it is that you're doing, if you're working, if you're raising children, if you're teaching, whatever it might be, there are opportunities in your day where you can think about that relationship with the Lord. You can look around. You know, my wife has a, a wonderful expression. She goes, when I look for God, he always shows me something. And she's particularly fond of critters. So when we drive, wherever we're driving, she's always looking for critters. If it's a deer, if it's a rabbit, if it's a mountain lion, whatever it might be. And, and God always shows her. She goes, there he is. God shows me. God shows me. But I believe that's what being in a spirit of prayer means all the time. We have opportunity to be in communication with, to be listening for God, and to be talking to God all the time. Now, don't mistake that from those opportunities that you have during the day that you deliberately set aside time for prayer. Go into your prayer closet, spending time, acknowledging. And of course, the Lord's Prayer is such a wonderful roadmap for how God wants us to pray. And the most important thing is what we start with, and that's ascribing worth to God. Because he is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is everything to us. And before we have an opportunity to start naming off all the things that we need, I believe we need to start with remembering who he is and what he means to us. The second letter in this acrostic is L. And it stands for lean. Now, 
Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So what do I mean by the word lean? Well, you think about when you're doing something and you're, you're really focused on something, you're really leaning into what's going on. And if you think about what it means when we armor up, when we lean into what God is, is asking us to do, what Paul is telling us to do in this passage, we're leaning in. When we lean, we believe. When we lean into something, we ascribe worth to that. When we lean into something, we acknowledge the fact that we have to do something. It's not just about, you know, okay, it's here, I believe it, yep, I got you, on to my next thing. No, take that. Really lean into it. Really try and understand what it is that we're supposed to do. Because I believe that faith really is about doing Faith is great. It starts with that belief. It starts with your relationship with Jesus. But it's so much more than that. And no, your salvation is not based on what you do. Your salvation is based on what you believe. But I also believe that there is action that needs to happen. So when we lean into that idea that we have to do something, we have to put on that armor and make sure that we're doing what God wants us to do, leading in. The third letter in the acrostic is A, stands for ask. Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. You know, there's a great passage in in. John's gospel where he says we have not because we ask not and I wonder sometimes are we afraid to ask or have we gotten to a point in our lives where we feel like we've asked so much and we maybe aren't getting the answers that we want that we stop asking and I believe that the gospel is telling us here God wants us to ask It delights him to give good gifts to his children. And when we ask, I think the first thing that happens when we ask is we acknowledge the fact that God has the power to give us something, whatever it is that we're asking for. And I always like to remember, and I always like to tell people when I talk about this, when you ask, remember to put that little phrase at the back of your request that says, if it is consistent with your will for my life, or if the Lord wills. And I think what you'll find is that you'll begin to see your prayer life change a little bit. You'll begin to focus a little less on all those things that we want Because the word says God will provide for our needs. He knows what we need. He knows what we need before we ever even ask. But I still believe he wants us to ask. He wants to be in that relationship with us. And then the fourth letter in this acrostic about armoring up ourselves is N. That stands for need. Psalm 42, 1 and 2 says, As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. 
My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Need. We have to need God more than we need anything else. And I believe that when we get in that posture and we recognize our inability to do anything apart from God, then we remember whose we are and how powerful we are with God. You know, probably everybody in this room knows Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay? God's there. He's ready. But do you really need him today? Or is things in your life going along pretty well? And I know I'm guilty of it. I'm going to raise my hand. Are you guilty of things going along pretty well? And you're like, ah, I got this. I got this. And the only time you, you reach out for God, the only time you truly need God is when you're going through a rough time. Don't be guilty of that today. Don't be guilty of having God be a, a foul weather God that you only reach out to when something is going wrong. Be an all weather God. Be an all weather Christian. When that is your posture, then you will need him like the very breath you breathe, like the very beating of your heart, and you'll acknowledge that God is there. So what does that spell out? So pray, lean, ask, and need. The word is plan. Wow. Did it ever occur to us as Christians that maybe we might need to have a plan? You know, it's that age-old thing of if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Do you plan for your meals during the week? Do you plan for a trip to the grocery store? Do you plan to get gas before you run out? Do you plan for A, B, C, D, E? Whatever that might be. I'm here to tell you that God has a great plan for your life. Your plan should be to remember a, that he is ultimately in control. You know, I had somebody ask me recently, they said, you Christians, and I always love it when they say that, you Christians, you Christians, if you believe that God is ultimately in control, why do you pray on behalf of someone else? And I thought, wow, you're really missing the point. And I didn't say that to this person, but I said, what we do we Christians, we Christians, when we pray to our God, we first and foremost remind ourselves who's ultimately in control. See, God wants to be in relationship with us, right? He does. He wants to be in relationship with us. And that comes through that, that, that willingness to submit yourself to God's ultimate authority. When you acknowledge God's ultimate authority in your life, when you go to him in prayer, you're saying, God, I know that you have a plan, but I don't know what your plan is. And so I'm going to trust, and I'm going to come on behalf of, whether it's myself, my wife, my children, our friends, the community, Ukraine, whatever it might be. We're coming before the throne of the Almighty to say, God, I trust in your plan, and I believe that you've put this on my heart to pray for these people. 
or to pray for this situation. But it begins with that acknowledgement of the fact that I'm nothing. You know, we're going to take communion here in just a little while. There's a passage that talks about the vine and the branches. And apart from God, we can do nothing. Apart from God and apart from a true fulfilling prayer life with him, we're just kind of floating around. Like that line from Forrest Gump, we're kind of floating around like a feather on a breeze. And I, for one, don't want to do that. I want to have a plan. I want to have a plan for daily prayer, daily Bible study, time together with the body of Christ, worshiping and acknowledging God's sovereignty. We must have a plan. So, let's armor up South Point. What do you say? You know, as Terry said, we're going through a period of transition right now. So what does that look like for this church to armor up? Okay, suffice it to say the church as a whole, the global church is under attack every single day. We better do something collectively as a body of believers in this place today that says, God, we're going to put on the full armor as a church for the glory of the kingdom of God. And so what does that begin with? Well, you're going to see a theme here. Starts with praying, P. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. And I've always loved this. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. What What is James telling us here? The effective prayer of the righteous. Are we righteous apart from God? No, of course not. But because of our belief in Jesus, because of our relationship with God, we are made righteous. So what I'm thinking that James is saying to us here is that, A, we got to be in prayer, number one. And number two, we are to confess our sins to each other and pray for each other. Okay? I know in your equipping classes, you're, 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 you have prayer lists. You have time to pray. There's time in the morning here on Sunday to pray corporately. That, the power of that prayer time and the power of what you do when you take your eyes off of yourself and you put them on someone else to say, I want to know, I want to, I want to bear your burdens. We are called to do that. We're called to bear each other's burdens. James is saying here, confess to one another, pray for one another, and the prayer is effective. So we have to be praying. We have to be a praying church. We have to be praying individuals. We have to be praying, believing that God has a great plan for South Point. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't. But I know one thing for certain that the leadership here, whether it's your elders, your worship team, whatever, Dawn, all the great things that Dawn does, oh my gosh, I can't, I probably emailed her more this week than I have anybody else. But you know what? Talk about somebody who knows what's going on. Can I get an amen? Yeah, absolutely. God blessed her. She's got an amazing gift of administration. No question about it. But you know what? I believe that those people who are in positions of leadership, who are carrying on the vision that they believe God has given us, 
God's going to take that. He's going to help us as a church navigate this time until he's ready to bring the next pastor. But you know what? This isn't a time to kind of just float around and go, oh, well, we'll just kind of do whatever, and then when the new pastor comes, we'll straighten up. No, of course not. That's not what God wants us to do. God wants us to strengthen ourselves. He wants us to come together and be so armored up, so powerful, so unified that nothing, nothing can break this body apart. The second letter in the acrostic stands for accept. Colossians 3.13 says, Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. See, this body is being called to accept each other. I can assure you there's not one of you, myself included, who is not a sinner in need of a Savior. Not one of us is perfect. And so why should we not be willing to accept each other? Why should we not be willing to love each other and forgive? I love what Paul is telling the church at Colossae here. Forgive each other just as the Lord forgave you. Why should we do any different? Why should we do anything less than the example that was set for us by Jesus? Accept, forgive, love. And the third letter in this acrostic is C. stands for congregate. Okay, here's maybe where I'm going to step on some toes that aren't here right now because y'all are here. But the, the passage from Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What is Paul telling us here? What is the writer of Hebrews, excuse me? The writer of Hebrews is telling us, don't stop getting together. Don't stop congregating. You know, and I know, okay, I know. I've been through those transitions between pastors when you don't know who's gonna be standing up here week to week. You may not like the guy this week. You may not like me. That's okay, tell me. It's okay. It's not about the man who's standing here. It's about the man who's given him the word that's to be preached. It's about what God wants you to hear. God is choosing different mouthpieces and may choose different mouthpieces in the weeks and months to come. I don't know. But it's hard. I know it's hard. It's like, who's going to be in the pulpit this week? What's the message going to be? Is it going to be something that's for me? You know what? You could have that every week with a full-time pastor. Not that you'd have a different person up here, but you might come and not like the message. That's not really the point, is it? Because it's not just about the message. It's about being together. It's about worshiping together. It's about acknowledging the God we serve, and giving him worship and praise. It's about being here. It's about making a commitment. 
You know, I've often said that we'll always make time for things that are a priority in our life. Is being here a priority? I'm looking out at all of you, and I can tell that today it's a priority. For those who maybe aren't here right now, I don't know. I can't judge what I don't see. But I want to challenge each of you. Make this time a priority. Because that's how we stay connected. That's how we love. That's how we learn and how we grow. The fourth letter in this acrostic is E, and it stands for exhort. 1 Peter 4, verses 8 through 10 says, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You think about the word exhort. For me, I get this kind of power stance of I'm, it's just a, this like strong move you in a direction or, or strongly encourage. I love that word encourage. That's actually my word for the year. Encourage others. You know, Peter is saying here, keep loving each other. Keep being hospitable to each other. And I love how he talks about the special gift. You know, we talked just a minute ago about Dawn and this, and this wonderful gift of administration that she has. Each of you have a special gift. Josh has an amazing gift of music. The, the people on the worship team have an amazing gift of music. That's how they choose to worship. That's how they choose to lead others. But every single one of you has a gift. It's been given to you by the Holy Spirit to be used to lift up and edify and affirm the body. And what Peter is telling us here is don't stop doing that. Don't stop acknowledging the other person's gifts. Don't stop acknowledging your own gift. Keep loving each other. Keep encouraging each other. Keep exhorting each other to do the work that God's called you to do as an individual and as a church. See, it's, it's no coincidence that South Point is here in this place. This is a, a city, a beacon for the light, to light the community around us. And we don't all live probably within a two or three block radius of the church. So we have an opportunity to take that light to the world. But you know what? We also have an opportunity to to give that light to someone else and say, hey, come. Come worship with us. Come see what God is doing. You know, I don't know how many of you today are here as visitors, but obviously somebody, if you are, told you about South Point. They told you about the great things that are happening. They invited you to come and be a part of what's happening here. See, God is being lifted up in this place. He's being lifted up individually by each of you, and he's being lifted up corporately as this body worships and gives and loves and serves. But remember those things. Remember, the person sitting next to you, I 
pretty much can guarantee you may know a little something about them. And you may know what their gift is. But you know what? If you don't, find out before you leave today. Wow, you might learn something new. It might be something that you can pray for them. It may be something that you can lock arms with them and accomplish great things for the kingdom together. But as a church, we've got to continue to be doing that collectively. I love the last part of this passage. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Good stewards. What does a steward do? A steward takes care of something. They're in charge of resources. They're in charge of people. Whatever it might be. You're in charge. You're a steward for what God has given you. And how God wants you to be a part of this body of believers. And so, what does this acrostic spell out? Pray, accept, congregate, and exhort. It spells out the word pace. So what does that mean for South Point? Do we want to set the pace for our community? Do we want to set the pace for other believers? Do we want to set the pace for our church? So people can look at South Point and go, wow, look at the great things they're doing there. Look at how God is being lifted up. Look at how people are being cared for and loved on and fed. See, we come here to worship. We come here to be fed. We come here to meet with God. But we can set the pace, okay? If you think about that from the standpoint of a race, and I'll just draw from my military experience, um, they had a guy called the guidon bearer when we were walking. And anybody that's in the room that's in the military knows exactly what I'm talking about or was in the military. But it usually was the shortest guy in the flight or the squadron or the whatever they call it in the company. It usually was the shortest guy because if they put a guy like me on the guidon, good luck keeping up. My wife can barely keep up. She goes, you have such long legs. You take such big steps. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I want to get where I'm going. <laughs> but the guidon bearer usually was somebody that was fairly short. And the cool thing about that was that he set the pace for how the whole unit moved. And if we were out of step with the guy who was carrying the flag, if you will, that's what a guidon is. If you were out of step with the guy that was there, boy, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, unanimity. There wasn't a whole lot of uh, order and and the, the unit kind of looked like a mishmash of a moving amoeba as opposed to a nice, tight military formation. But see, that's what South Point can be. And I believe in many respects, that's what South Point already is. You guys are setting the pace. You're setting the pace because you're leading others to Jesus. You're a light to the community around you. You're a light to your families and your friends, the people whose lives you touch. Don't be afraid to set the pace. Go just as fast as God wants you to go. But remember to go confident that he is leading. He goes before you. He goes beside you. He goes behind you. He's all around you. But this church can set the pace for believers and non-believers, you can do that too. Because people are going to see that. They're known by our fruits. They're going to know 
us by what we do. So, individuals, we're going to have a plan. Church, we're going to set the pace. And it begins with prayer. And so my challenge for you today as I close is this. Begin with prayer. Start and end your day in prayer. Read God's word. And don't read it to just read it. Read it to learn it. Read it to get it deep down in your gut so you understand what it is that God wants you to do and how you are to live your life. Have a plan. Be part of a church that's setting a pace. And begin with prayer. If you'll please join me, let's close in prayer. Father, today we commit to you to put on the full armor, to guard our lives against attack. We put on the belt of truth to protect against lies and deception. We put on the breastplate of righteousness to protect our hearts. We put on the gospel of peace on our feet. So we're ready to take your light wherever you send us this day. We choose today, Lord, to walk in the peace and freedom of your spirit and not be overcome with fear and anxious thoughts. We take up your shield of faith that will extinguish all the darts and threats hurled our way by the enemy. We believe in your power to protect us and choose to trust in you. We put on the helmet of salvation which covers our minds and thoughts, reminding us we are children of the day, forgiven, set free, saved by the grace of Christ Jesus. We take up the sword of spirit, your very word, that one offensive weapon given to us for battle, which has the power to demolish strongholds, alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. Lord, thank you that we never fight alone, for you are constantly at work on our behalf, shielding, protecting, strengthening, exposing deeds of darkness, bringing to light what needs to be known, and covering us from the cruel attacks we face, even when we're unaware. And I pray today, Lord, if there is one in this place who does not know you, that during this time of invitation that follows, that they will, they will acknowledge that need, Lord, that they will come before you and say, God, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I am powerless to do anything without you. I pray, God, that you would move in this room, that your spirit would move in a powerful way today. Lord, that if there is one who does not know you, that today would be the day they begin that walk to glory, a walk to eternity with you. I pray, Lord, that if there is some business that needs to be done before we come into the presence of your holy Lord's Supper table, I pray, Lord, that we would take this time during the invitation and, and just cry out to you, perhaps right from where you are, and perhaps to come forward to these who will be here available to pray with whomever may have a need. And Lord, if there's one here today who desires to unite with this church, Lord, a church, South Point, is setting the pace, Lord, that they come forward and they say, I want to be a part of what is happening here at South Point, and I want to do it today. Lord, whatever your will is in the moments that follow, I pray that your spirit would move in a mighty, mighty way 
We ask all this in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Amen.